Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am Sean Needham, and I am streaming live from an undisclosed location in an underground bunker. No, not really. <laughs> but I am super excited today to have um, Dr. After, Dr. Merrick, and Dr. Bowden on our show. Dr. Bowden is busy in between patients right now. She will join us here just shortly, but they are going to be discussing their most recent lawsuit with the FDA and how the FDA is getting in between doctors and patients illegally. Um, I never thought in my life I would see that the FDA would actually be getting in between doctors and patients and telling them what they can and can't do. Um, but you're going to be hearing about that. And fortunately, these doctors have been bold enough to stand up against this. And what does this mean? This is not just for them. This isn't, in fact, this is not about them. This is about you. This is about everybody that ever needs to see a doctor, any patient or any doctor that is going to treat a patient. This is about standing up for them, regardless of what their opinions is or are of of any certain um, treatment. It's about a doctor and a patient having the right to do the treatment that they believe is the best. So without further ado, um, Dr. Apter, Dr. Merrick, welcome to our show. Thank Thank you. Dr. Um, Apter, um, go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit and tell us the background of this um, FDA lawsuit and how you got involved. Okay, I'm Dr. Robert Apter. Thank you so much for having me on here. Um, I'm a board-certified emergency physician, practiced for over 40 years, and then I retired from that in July of 2020. Uh, Saw some patients with COVID during that early part of the pandemic, but not a lot. And, but I had an interest in that, just like Dr. McCullough has talked about. It's like, this is the most important thing in medicine that's probably happened in my career. We've got to get on top of this. And uh, after being retired for, for a short time and being a little bored, I, I looked into what I could do in COVID. And I did some volunteer contact tracing for the local health department for a, for a little while and uh, found that interesting, but ultimately worthless and you spend a lot of time with no uh, benefit from it. And so I started looking for a way to treat patients, which is what I wanted to do. And the health department, of course, didn't want me to talk to anybody about treatment. So I, after looking around a bit, I found the company I work with now, myfreedoctor.com, which uh, was founded by Ben Marble. So I started working with them in April of uh, 2021. And I've done seven or 8,000 patient consultations for COVID with, uh, you know, high degree of success. And so uh, that's, that's how I got into this. All right. So Dr. Bowden, welcome to our show. Um, we know that you're a busy doctor and a great doctor at that. So um, I, I thank you for taking the time to um, sit in on, on this podcast and educate us and fighting for medical liberty. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And um, you're fighting for everybody. So Dr. Bowden, even though you don't need any introduction, you've been on our podcast a few times. Thank you so much. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell, tell us how you got involved in this lawsuit. Thank you, Sean. Um, I'm an ear, nose, and throat doctor in Houston, Texas, and I actually took a lot of time off um, to take care of my kids and went back into medicine about six months before the pandemic started. Stumbled into COVID because this lab that I was already working for, um, patients that had chronic sinusitis, 
they came up with a saliva test for COVID and we were able to provide access to testing when testing was really hard to find. And we were able to get results back very quickly when uh, results were taking two weeks to come back. So I sort of became this um, inadvertent hub for COVID in my area. And I would tell my patients, we'll go back and see your primary care doctor now that you're positive. And they'd come back to me and say, well, my primary care doctor won't see me. (laughs) So that didn't sit well with me. And so I tried to step in and become the next best thing to people's primary care doctor. And I, you know, I'm an airway specialist, so I have a little bit of experience treating the airway. And I started with just doing breathing treatments. And we, you know, my, my clinic is located in a strip mall. So I was able to do those in the people's cars. Um, and then I started uh, following Dr. Merrick's work with the FLCCC and using uh, um, ivermectin and then monoclonal antibodies and, you know, just growing with our treatment protocols. And to date, I've uh, treated over 4,000 people using multi-drug early treatment and no one that has received early treatment has died. Um, so I, the FDA um, lawsuit is very important to me because the biggest hurdle I've had all along is these pharmacists refusing to dispense the ivermectin and um, having to you know, find a pharmacist willing to do it. It's just an unnecessary delay, unnecessary hurdle. Um, so this lawsuit is uh, important to me because, you know, ivermectin is so safe. I, I have a harder time with antibiotics in terms of side effects. Um, and for the FDA to betray it as a not fit for humans and, and dangerous is just a complete lie. And um, it's just pure propaganda. So I'm proud to be a, a part of this lawsuit. And I... It's near and dear in my heart because I have firsthand experience dealing with all this. Well, thank you. And I'm I'm proud for you. And, you know, if, if doctors and healthcare professionals like yourselves don't stand up, we will lose everything. And I can honestly tell you, um, Dr. Bowden, is that I'm embarrassed to, to, to be with some of, to call myself a colleague with some of those pharmacists. Although I'm not surprised because I've known for years that, the industry is corrupt and my wife obviously who's a pharmacist also we've known it for years so we're not surprised at some of the reactions pharmacists have had because they've been drinking the kool-aid for a long time so well i should say you're not one of those (laughs) you're one of the good ones (laughs) thank you there aren't many but (laughs) right right so uh dr merrick go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us how you got involved because you've got a big story yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me and Mary and uh, Robert on the show. This obviously, as uh, as Dr. Bowden has said, is, is really a critical lawsuit. But mine's a long and circuitous story. So it really starts in March of 220. So I'm an intensivist. I'm quadruple board certified. I was until recently tenured professor of medicine. Not to brag, I am the second most published critical care person in the history of critical care medicine. So, you know, I've published over 600 papers. So I think I do have some background to speak of. So what actually happened is in, you know, when when COVID arrived in New York, uh, the treatment plan by the NIH, the CDC, the WHO, was really supportive care. And what supportive care means is no care. You just do nothing. 
which is truly astonishing, uh, as, as, as Dr. Bowden and APTA will agree. You know, the mortality rate was close to 80% in the ICU. And how can any doctor just say, I'm not going to do anything? It basically defies the, the basic tenant of medicine. Do something. Do something to help your patient, whatever it is. And so what we did is we put together a treatment algorithm based on the best available science at this time and our personal observation at the bedside. And that, that's how, in fact, we developed our protocol, which became the FLCC protocol. It originally, it was based on corticosteroid, methylprednisolone, and heparin, because we knew then, and as we know now, the major problem is severe inflammation and clotting. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out you've got to control the, the, the inflammation and the clotting. And we were ridiculed and mocked, and actually we were called um, medical malpractice for what we were doing. Dial six months, for, six months forward, there was a study published which proved the benefit of corticosteroids. The editor of New England Journal was brazen enough to say, well, we just got lucky. No, it had nothing to do with luck. It had to do with bedside clinical observation. And that's what we've been doing. We then developed, you know, protocols for early treatment because, as Mary has said, and, and as Robert knows, the, the solution to this pandemic right at the beginning was early treatment. And on, it's not just ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Um, you know, scientifically, we have over 30 compounds that have been shown to alter the natural history of this disease. And that's what we needed to do. Um, early treatment is what would have saved hundreds of thousands of people's lives. It would have prevented them going to hospital. It would have prevented them dying. It would have prevented the spread of this disease. And indeed, if we had done that right at the beginning, the, the, the pandemic would be done. We wouldn't be here. But that was not what they wanted. Their goal from the beginning, and let me say this categorically, definitively, is they wanted a vaccine in every arm. That's what their goal was, to scare everybody into submission so that they get vaccinated. And ivermectin was their biggest threat. Why are they going after ivermectin? Because it is the biggest threat. If ivermectin wasn't safe or effective for this disease, they wouldn't care. But they're going after ivermectin because they know, they know categorically, definitively, this is one of the most effective treatments for SARS-CoV-2. It is truly an astonishing drug, astonishing. It works in so many different um, pharmacological mechanisms. If you were to design a drug for COVID, it would be called ivermectin. It's highly effective. It's highly safe. What the FDA has done is they have lied. They have blatantly lied. Their campaign, which basically turned this around, was you're not a horse, you're not a cow, stop it. This is a dangerous drug which kills people. That is an outright damn lie. Because we know 3.7 billion doses have been given to human beings. It is one of the safest medications on this planet. After penicillin, ivermectin has had the greatest impact on humanity, on humanity, than any other medication. It's changed the face of parasitic diseases in Africa, South America, and in Asia. Uh, many of these parasitic diseases 
take people's sight, is profoundly disabling, and it has changed their lives. This is one of the most effective medications. And what we've known since 2012 is ivermectin is effective against a whole host of RNA viruses. We've known this. Chikungunya, dengue, um, uh, influenza virus, HIV virus. It's a very effective antiviral drug and is remarkably safe. So they went on this campaign, which is completely illegal, because first of all, the FDA is not in the business of telling doctors how to practice medicine. That's not what the FDA does. But they did this illegal campaign where they sent letters to pharmacies, state boards, government agencies, basically reiterating this complete and utter lie. And it is a lie. And it's because of that that, you know, ivermectin has become, you know, such been been so dismissed and um, so difficult to get to get hold of. But it is a highly effective drug. And so, you know, the FDA has interfered with the basic physician-patient relationship. And, you know, we should just stress, if you look at the FDA's own rules and regulations, the own rules, the FDA says that, they, and, and they've promoted this, that doctors are perfectly permissible to prescribe FDA-approved off-label drugs at their discretion. They encourage it. But now COVID comes around, it's become very inconvenient for them. So they've gone on this massive campaign, basically breaking their own rules. So it's illegal what they've done. They're not in the business of telling physicians how to practice medicine or pharmacists how to do what pharmacists do. So they have the blood of hundreds of thousands of Americans on their hands and they must be held liable. There's no question of doubt. So that's a, a brief overview yeah. of my story. Well, thank you for thank you for that. And I always one of the great things about my podcast is I learn things all the time because um, I get to talk to smart smart doctors like you. So thank you, um, Doctor Apter. How do you want to follow up with that? Well, I absolutely agree with with all of that. I mean this the whole this whole campaign against ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, other. Uh, repurposed drugs because it would get in the way of their uh, the vaccine program because they could not get a vaccine to under the law to get an emergency use authorization if there was an effective alternative treatment and God forbid it be an inexpensive effective alternative treatment. Uh, I've learned through this whole campaign that the FDA, NIH, CDC, I mean, I think it's the Federal Drug Company Advocacy and the uh, Center for Drug Company Collusion and the National Institutes of Pharma, they will not do anything that is not uh, supportive of big pharma. So you have this incredible regulatory capture. And so they've, they've suppressed these medications that are so effective. Ivermectin is one of the safest drugs. It's far safer than Tylenol, ibuprofen, aspirin. I mean, I, I recently had a patient who mistakenly took five times the dose I prescribed. Uh, because it was compounded into a 15 milligram capsule. And, and she looked at the prescription, uh, which defaults to three milligram tablets, because that's what's commercially available. So she didn't look at the bottle, which told her to take one capsule twice a day. And instead, she took 
five capsules of 15 milligrams each. So she took 150 milligrams the first day and she said, I feel a little dizzy and my vision's a little blurry. Could it be something I'm taking? Well, there's never been in the world medical literature a death from overdose of ivermectin. None. There are maybe 15 to 20 deaths in the world medical literature reported per year in association with ivermectin is thought to be mostly because of the interaction with high parasitic loads. Uh, you compare that to just in the United States, about 450 deaths per year from Tylenol, and, and it's estimated with uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen and, and others in that class that it might be as high as 16,000. So th there's no comparison in terms of safety. And to, to deny people a safe drug, it's just, it is just criminal, and, and they are very effective. Um, right, and it, it's, it's hard, and, and as a pharmacist, I've known for years, I even learned, learned in pharmacy school that, um, you know, drugs are used off-label. In fact, I've seen numbers, and really when you think about it, it's probably true, that over 50% of all drugs are prescribed off-label. So this is nothing new for doctors. In fact, there's some drugs that have never been FDA approved. Let's just go through that list just, just quickly. You know, drugs that were grandfathered in, um, for instance, codeine. Codeine, and, and, you know, some people argue on this show, and they're probably going to, you know, blast me for it, but it might not be the best pain pain reliever ever, but it was used for hundreds of years, or at least decades and decades, and it's never been FDA approved. Um, and you talk about Tylenol, Tyl acetaminophen has never officially been FDA approved because it was pre-FDA. Um, you know, so there's many drugs out there that are on the market that aren't, that aren't truly FDA approved or used off label. So, I'm Dr. Bowden. Um, go ahead and update us uh, um, on, we were just talking about the, the lawsuit and, you know, how the FDA is shutting down prescribing of off-label drugs. So go ahead and follow up on that. On the, well, I, I actually don't have an update on the lawsuit itself. Um, the biggest issues I've been seeing now are just censorship left and right. Like just, I feel like they're launching airstrikes on us. <laughs> I just got kicked off of Twitter and I know I'm not alone. A lot of other people have at the same time. I just got kicked off of LinkedIn. I wasn't even talking about the vaccine. I was talking about how much a CEO of a hospital was making and they just kicked me off. And um, that's been alarming. I don't, it's like all at once. And I'm sure it's very much on purpose. Um, I don't know, uh, Robert and Paul, have you heard an update on the, on the lawsuit? So my understanding is there's going to be a hearing in September. So, you know, these things do take their time. Um, but you know what? I think we have a good shot at this because it's a very narrow focus. You know, it's not suing them for all their maleficence because let's be clear, the FDA has been captured by Big Pharma for many years. For me, it's just inconceivable that the FDA can know and Big Pharma can know that they have a drug which kills people. Let's be clear. There are drugs out there that kill people. You just look at Vioxx. They knew it killed people. And yet the FDA turned a blind eye and the company continued to sell Vioxx knowing it killed people. The FDA knows, they know that the vaccine is not safe and is not effective. They know this. There was data within 90 days of the vaccine being released that Pfizer themselves knew. The FDA knew. 
there were 1,124 deaths directly related to the vaccine and over 42,000 serious adverse events. They knew this, but then it was silenced. And what did the FDA do? They gave Pfizer cover for 75 years. They wanted to bury the data. Why would you do that? Because you've got something to hide. Fortunately, with the Freedom of Information Act, that data is now coming out. And what we see is absolutely shocking how the FDA has covered up what Pfizer has done. So they cheated. They cheated in their clinical trial because patients who were seriously adversely affected, they, who fell out, they classified those patients as not being related to the vaccine. So their data is false. The FDA know it's false. These are dangerous vaccines. And yet the FDA not only continues to approve it, but they approve it for children as young as six months of age. It's nothing short of criminal. These people are criminals because they directly related to the death of hundreds of thousands of patients. We know from the national health data in the UK the risk of a child dying from COVID versus the vaccine, you are a thousand times more likely a child to die from the vaccine than from COVID. Yet the FDA has approved this drug for children. We need to look at remdesivir. So if you look at remdesivir, this drug increases your risk of kidney failure 20-fold. That's data from the WHO. It increases your risk. It actually increases your risk of death. So what did the FDA do? They approved it for children. There's no data on safety in children. On, I think, 50 patients who had received it, they approved the use of remdesivir in children. Yet, ivermectin, which has been dosed 3.7 billion times, is considered a dangerous horse dewormer. I mean, if that doesn't tell you how corrupt and captured these people are, well, then nothing will. It's nothing more than a criminal act. These people should be held criminally liable and they should be sent to jail. They need to be jailed because they've committed serious crimes against humanity. And unfortunately, they're going to get away with these crimes. Steve Kirsch did a, an interesting survey recently where he, he surveyed, um, he, he commissioned a survey to just get people's experiences with COVID and with the vaccines. And one of the things that came up, he asked people, did anyone in your household die from COVID? And he asked them, did anyone in your household die from the vaccine, the COVID vaccine? And there were twice as many that reported somebody in their household dying from the COVID vaccine as dying from COVID. And then probably at least 90% of those that died from COVID didn't need to if they had gotten early treatment. And he got censored by Google. He tried to do a Google survey with those questions and they shut him down. It's just unbelievable. I mean, what's so frustrating about all this is it's just clearly obvious. It's so cut and dry. And yet it's nothing's being done. It's just, it's not like a subtle finding, right? It is so cut and dry. I mean, 10% of the patients that I see as an ENT are for people with ongoing issues related to the vaccine. I mean, I'm not seeing the people that are dropping dead, you know, but I'm seeing the people with the ongoing issues 
ringing in their ears, headaches, joint pain, brain fog, fatigue, debilitating pain. I saw a 25-year-old girl in a wheelchair last week. Um, and as an ENT, I mean, I had never seen a COVID react, I mean, a vaccine reaction prior to COVID, right? And never in my career. And now it's 10% of my practice. It's just crazy. And I know I'm not the only one, right? And how this is being swept under the rug is just mind boggling. It, it is amazing, the censorship. And I had no idea, Dr. Bowden, that you were kicked off LinkedIn just recently too. And, this morning and, I found out. Oh, and I saw that post. And, you know, I think one thing that maybe some of us knew already, um, and my wife, we've been questioning a lot of this for many, many years. And all this, over the last two and a half years, what this COVID has done is it's exposed the systems. And the and especially the hospitals. And I, I, I might not make any friends by saying that, but they seem to be corrupt in corrupt enterprises and um, they are accessories to this crime. Um, you know, when I think about what they have hidden and what they have done in the treatment and the money that they have got um, received from all these COVID funds, um, mm-hmm. it's incredible. I mean, just follow the money and the, the sad part about it is, Dr. Bowden, why you probably got banned is because there was one, I, I'm thinking that post that you said that one of the hospital foundation's um, CEOs was making $3.5 million a year. Is that the one you got banned for? I, that was the last post I wrote. It was $3.7 million for running a charity foundation yeah a charity foundation and you know for all the listeners and and viewers out there um be wary of hospital charity and hospital foundations because profit non-profit private public they're pretty much all the same they are corrupt i i just said it um so you guys being pioneers and being you know ostracized by some of your colleagues. Um, what do you think about doctors that are buying this narrative? I mean, what do you think about your colleagues? I think there's fewer and fewer that buy the narrative as time goes on, but they're, they're afraid. I mean, you look at my case, the reason I'm in this lawsuit is because my license is being threatened in, with multiple investigations in multiple states based on just two cases where pharmacists complained that I prescribed ivermectin for COVID. In one of these cases, actually, in both these cases, the patients did very well. They were thrilled with their care. They've written affidavits in my support. Uh, In one of these cases, the patient was unable to get ivermectin from one of the pharmacies she tried to get it from. This was in Iowa. So she actually, without any discussion with me or any knowledge uh, from me, she made a complaint to the Iowa Board of Pharmacy about the pharmacist not dispensing ivermectin that I had prescribed. Well, the Iowa Board of Pharmacy looked at that and said, no problem, but let's turn this over to the medical board to investigate the doctor for prescribing it. Mm-hmm. And then that, then they sent it to the other two states I'm licensed in. So I got three investigations out of that that I'm dealing with. So, it, And then in these investigations, they, they have actually cited some of this um, FDA publication on horse dewormer uh, to back up their coming after me for prescribing ivermectin. And so that's how I ended up as a plaintiff in this lawsuit. Well, you know, what's amazing to me about that is I've seen some of those letters and those responses, but not once in those letters do they say that ivermectin is actually an FDA approved treatment 
in humans for, for certain things. They just talk about the horse dewormer thing. It's almost like they think we're stupid or something. It's just propaganda. You know, what Mary says is absolutely true. You know, maybe six, eight months ago, it wasn't as obvious as it is now. But I think anyone with half a brain can just look what's going on. And it's obvious. This is not subtle. The, the, the propaganda, the misinformation, and the toxicity of the vaccines and the safety of alternative therapies is there for anyone who wants to look at it. And so it's not subtle anymore. And yet they continue aggressively. I mean, it seems like they're even, you know, buckling down now because, you know, myself and Dr. Corey and Dr. McCulloch and Dr. Urso, uh, you know, we're being threatened by the American Board of Internal Medicine. So they're going after us. Everyone is going after us. They they just don't like the, the this, you know, if you say anything against the narrative, you're a disinformationist, you're a, you're a domestic terrorist, and you need to be taken out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we need to recognize the federal government has spent over a billion dollars, a billion dollars on uh, public relations and false advertising and advertising to promote their false narrative of safe and effective. I mean, that's truly astonishing. I mean, and that's backed by Bill Gates. Yeah, if these... If these vaccines were truly safe and effective, they wouldn't have had to go on this profound propaganda campaign. And, you know, as Mary says, um, the Bill Gates Foundation controls a lot of media. I didn't realize how infiltrated they were to control media, even national public radio, which I thought was national public radio, gets money from the Gates Foundation. So... The corruption is just so deep and so far. But, you know, anyone who just wants to open their eyes and have a look, the data's there. It's not subtle. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the insurance data from the life insurance companies, they report that the death, there's been an excess death of over 100%, 100% in people between the ages of 20 and 60, unexplained deaths unrelated to COVID. People are dropping dead, which is unexplained. We don't have a reason. It's obvious. Right. Well, you guys got lots of supporters. We're getting lots of comments come in. James Genovant talks about you guys being three heroes. And um, Nurse Jeannie, CEO, author, podcast host, there are more of you than there are more for you than against you. We just have quiet voices. That's true. And that's why we need you guys to speak up. Half our clinicians have lost the ability to think just what you guys are saying. Here's one about basically follow the money, you know, evil cartel. I mean, those are what other people think too. So, you know, I think you guys are right. Is that more and more, you know, two years ago, you know, I was called a crazy guy. In fact, I lost some of my friends, some of my friends that are pharmacists, they, they quit talking to me. And um, because they thought I was just, I guess, crazy. Um, but I think the more and more this comes out, it's just like, like you said, Dr. Dr. Uh, Merrick, if you have half a brain, how can you not see what's going on? Seriously. I mean, lay people see it. How can us in medical not see it? I think if there's any of the listeners that have any doubt about the uh, mainstream narrative that the public health agencies are pushing. There's a, a new movie that just came out called Uninformed Consent, done by Vaccine Choice Canada. 
and uh, Children's Health Defense was involved in that. It's a, it's a wonderful movie. I would uh, erase any doubt in your mind about uh, what's going on here. So, you know, in response to, to Nurse Jeannie, firstly, I want to thank her. And secondly, you know, it's very difficult for the three of us and the, 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 our group of people to change minds. We really need an army of informed people to actually try help educate people. Because, you know, what people hear in the media, the media is captured by Big Pharma. Social media is captured. YouTube is captured. Facebook is captured. So we need people like Nurse Jean to help us, you know, spread the truth because the truth will, you know, will, will, will survive. This truth will come out. But we need, we need people to help us spread the word, to spread the truth, to try and inform people because the more people that are informed, the greater the threat to these people. And I think that's the way we're going to win this war. This is a open warfare against the truth and against repurposed drugs. And we need help. We need people out there to support us, to spread the word, to try and educate people. And, you know, as Mary said, one of the most amazing things is the censorship. You know, if you think about it, science is based on dialogue, people exchanging information, that's the essence of science. You know, we don't know everything. We'll never know everything, but we exchange information. And in that way, whoever participates in the exchange gleans information. And that's how we grow. That's how science grows. But science has been decapitated and censored. And that's what we really have to work against. I, I agree 100%. And you know, that's the goal of our podcast. And it always has been. And actually, it's been the goal of my pharmacy since my wife and I started our pharmacy 23 plus years ago, is to educate and empower individuals to make their own choices in healthcare. That's all I want. You know, informed consent is part of that. And just educating people so they can make their own choices. We as healthcare professionals should not make a patient do anything. We should give them all kinds of options and um, let them make their own decisions. I mean, Mary's a surgeon, so she'll tell you the basic tenant on informed consent is to explain the risks, the benefits, and alternative therapies. I mean, it's just such a fundamental component of, you know, the Helsinki Accord, the Nuremberg Code, is you give patients true informed consent and alternatives. You must explain to them what, what their rights are and what alternative treatments are. But the consent, if there is such a consent for these vaccines, is an absolute joke because they it's completely inadequate and they do not, nowhere in the consent form does it talk about alternative treatments. Or risk. Right. And, and then what, what do you guys have to say about, there, there's some, in fact, many um, uh, clinicians and entities that are giving out the vaccines and they're actually enrolled in the, in the trials. And from what I understand is they're, they're giving out these vaccines without informed consent, but also they're not telling them that they're enrolled in a trial. Do you guys have any, any um, comment on that? Or is there, there's some truth to that? Yeah, I think this whole rollout is one big trial, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, from what I understand, it takes five to 10 years of data to uh, determine if a vaccine is efficacious and they've been working for 40 years on a vaccine for AIDS with no luck. So this is 
this is Fauci and Gates's swan song. You know, they're, they're going to leave their legacy on the world because the AIDS vaccine didn't work out for them. So this is how they're going to prove themselves worthy. And it's just really, really bad. It's, it, it, it is. And I will tell you, it, I was talking earlier on the podcast, but there are certain, it makes my wife and I question our entire pharmacy education when we see stuff like this happen. And, you know, there's a lot of things we questioned before. We were talking um, off air to uh, Dr. Merrick about statins, but, you know, I've said it many times before that, and my wife, that we don't believe in statins to treat high cholesterol. We don't, we don't think they decrease cardiovascular risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think we've been duped. And if they did decrease cardiovascular risk, then they've been out for 30 years. Yet cardiovascular deaths are at an all-time high in America. So it doesn't really make sense. the most widely prescribed drug out there, which I found out because they interact with Paxlovid. So you can't give Paxlovid with the most widely prescribed drug in America. But no one talks about that. Right. Because it's owned by Pfizer. Yeah. Right. So, you know, as, you know, on one of our previous webinars, I I kind of spoke about the statin scandal and I said, well, I figured out these are toxic drugs that are ineffective and I advise people to take the statin and flush it down the toilet. So people didn't like the idea that I was contaminating the water supply with statins. So I have to change my approach, take your statin and return it to your pharmacy and demand a refund because it's a complete complete fraud. Yes, it is. It sure is. Okay. So as we wind up this podcast, I'm going to go to each one of you and just kind of um, let you sum sum up, uh, you know, the, the, the most important thing that you think about, you know, that we can do to help change change the this narrative and then um the best way to get a hold of you so dr apter let's start with you well first you can get hold of me through myfreedoctor.com and uh we're taking new patients all the time i think the best way to, to spread the word is through people that have had successful early treatment and also uh, we are also treating vaccine injuries and, and long COVID as well uh, so I see up on the screen, myfreedoctor.com. Um, there's just no question that it works. Like I say, I've treated thousands of patients with the multiple drug early treatment. Um, uh, I had one patient die very early on, but he was 84. Uh, other than that, nobody has with, with early treatment. Um, I could just tell you story after story about patients, including my wife, who has, was very, very sick with COVID uh, twice. Um, had an 82% oxygen saturation 40, 48 hours into the illness and uh, wouldn't go to the hospital. And uh, now she's fine. So uh, early treatment works and vaccines are dangerous. Spread the word. <laughs> All right, thank you. Uh, Dr. Merrick. Yeah, so I must echo that. I think there are a few points that firstly, all the agencies are captured. They're fraudulent and corrupt. Everything the federal government has told us is is a lie. The masks, the lockdowns, the um, failure of early treatment, the remdesivir, and of course the biggest lie is safe and effective. They've lied about every single thing that they've done. And I think this is not subtle anymore. The data's out there. We need to empower people with the truth because the truth is the truth. It will eventually come out. Science will reign supreme. 
And these people will have a lot to be accountable for. But I think it's absolutely essential that people understand that they've been duped, they've been lied to, and we need to spread the truth because, you know, this just cannot go on any longer. And people need to understand that they've been lied to. The federal government and the state agencies have lied to them. That's not acceptable. And, you know, you know, that's basically, you know, the FLCC stands for providing honest, truthful information. We're not selling anything. We not we, we don't provide basic, we don't look after patients. We just provide true, honest, uncensored scientific information. And I think people need to, you know, wake up and figure out what's going on. Um, and hopefully the FDA will be held accountable for their illegal action, for what they did was illegal. And I think there must be consequences. Bowden. I echo both of those. I would say if you want to take action, a um, couple things. Grassroots efforts to harass your local politicians. Um, maybe you have a Bible study and you spend an hour during that Bible study calling all your politicians over and over and over again. And I talked to um, Representative Tom Massey. He said the best way is actually call them. Well, showing up in person is ideal, but if you can't show up in person, calling is better than letters. The other thing we need to do, I mean, this is, I hate social media, as horrible as it is, it is important. And we need to stand up to these people <laughs> that are censoring and, you know, get on the sites that actually support free speech and take your business elsewhere and support businesses that support freedom. Take, you know, hit them where it hurts. If you have stock in any of these pharmaceutical companies, dump it. Uh, do, you know, there are little things that we can all do that can, you know, you may not have the voice of one of us, but there's things you can do on a grassroots level to fight back. And we need as much of that as possible right now. Yeah. You yeah. know, just to, to echo what, what Mary said is so important. People can contact their congressman, their senator. I think that's very important. And they should, you know, they shouldn't write a letter. I don't think they, they need to contact them personally. They need to make whatever efforts they can because the federal government and, and agencies are captured. But I think at a state level and through your congressman and senator, we can make some change. And so people have a voice and I think they need to use their voice and they need to contact their senator, their congressman, their local representatives, just so that they can, you know, engage in a dialogue. Yeah, uh, I agree. And, you know, I, I, a couple, a few months ago, maybe even a year ago when we interviewed Dr. Bowden, um, you know, she talked about how she wasn't originally into politics and she didn't really care about it. And unfortunately, we have to kind of be into it to, to, to make this fight work. Um, so it is very important that we stay politically active, no matter what side of politics that we are on. You know, we just need to um, stay politically active because th this is about medical freedom this is about and and in, in in the end it's about freedom in general if we don't have freedom of our own bodies um we don't have any freedom at all i mean so we need to fight for that yeah you know if there's risk there has to be choice this idea that you vaccinate people without in true informed consent particularly children is a crime you know people should have the ability to make decisions on their own 
You can't, this is like Nazi Germany. It's no different. Yeah. You know, if there's risk, there must be choice and people should yeah. be able to decide for themselves. Well, um, my wife is much smarter than I am when this pandemic and I call it a pandemic, but it's really a government created pandemic is what it really is. Um, and when it first came out, I was buying the narrative of, Oh yeah, we need to stay home and lock down for two weeks to flatten the curve. And my wife from day one, she's like, Sean, this is Nazi Germany. I'm like, Oh, Janet, come on. <laughs> yeah. Now you look, that's exactly what it is. So we have to stand up now or we will lose everything. We need to so, call Janet. <laughs> yes, right, right. Um, so as we wrap this podcast up, um, I, I'm hoping, speaking of social media, you know, we are live on LinkedIn and Twitter right now. It'll be oh. interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long it stays up. Yeah. And when we share these things across platforms, it'll be interesting how long it stands um, stays up. But anytime I get censored, I realize that we're just speaking truth and. Um, you know, some people don't like opinions to be out there. So that's just proof that we are right and we are fighting for the right thing. We're fighting for individual patients' rights. That's really what we're doing. So all right, everybody all get off all. Twitter now. Go go switch to truth and get her. Okay. Yeah. And and Rumble instead of YouTube. Rumble right. has never ever censored us. So um if you guys will stay on, we're gonna end, um wind up the podcast, but if you guys will stay on just for a few minutes so I can um get some of your contact information, I would really, really appreciate it. So um that's a that's a wrap. And thank you, doctors, for for educating and empowering um us, me, our listeners and viewers. Um that this is a very, very powerful subject and we, we, we have to win this. So thank you, listeners and viewers, for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you so much.